You're listening to the Detroit is Different Podcast Network. You're listening to the Detroit. Welcome back. What up, though? We're the new kids. I mean, you know, you should know that. But if you don't, I'm Maine. And I'm Shy. And this is season five, episode three. And we live. What a journey it has been to get to this point. But we are here and we're not going anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> right. We we in this for life at this point. Well, I don't know about podcasting for life. Okay. You know, no. no. <laughs> um. Before we jump into the episode, I want to, um, dang, I can't even think about what I was about to say. Oh, we have a giveaway coming up for Friendsgiving. So there are three things that you need to do to be entered into this giveaway. One, go ahead and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. You already listen in there anyway, so you might as well do it. Okay. Two, go follow us on Instagram. Shariah, what is our Instagram handle? Uh, the New Kids LLC. <laughs> <laughs> yes okay and good job Jabria. <laughs> and number three once this episode goes up go ahead and give us your thoughts on the instagram photo for this episode so you need to subscribe to us on apple Podcasts, follow us on ig and comment on this episode's post and you'll be entered into the giveaway for the friendsgiving basket that we'll give away um, sometime before Thanksgiving, Friendsgiving gets over. Yay! Giveaway! Yay. Who doesn't like free stuff? Is there like a limit? Can our, our friends in real life not win? Um, we, we may post some additional rules on Instagram. We'll see. <laughs> keep y'all, keep your eyes on our Instagram. Yes. Account. But so, this, go actually, ahead, sure. When you're following us on Instagram, make sure you turn on your post notifications and make sure you comment and share our post. Okay? Yes, so all that. Okay, so for the Millennial Minutes, I would like to give a shout out to Angel of House of Sci. Hey, Angel girl. Hey, girl. Um, she has the House of Sci fashion show coming up at the end of November. I'm so excited to go. I'm always rocking my House of Sci bag and people are always asking me, you know, where did it come from? You know, who's the designer? Who's the label? So shout out to her. Absolutely, girl, because that hot pink bag is a hit, and I carry it very, very often. So, shout okay. out to you, sis. Period. So, I guess that means it's my turn. Yes. <laughs> so, as most of y'all know, I always come unprepared. So, <laughs> that's what I did on today. But I'm going to cheat a little bit and give my Millennial Minute shout out to a past guest, actually. I think he's been on the show twice. I believe so. Yeah. And my friend in real life, um, except when I'm training with him, because then we're not friends. Um, so <laughs> my millennial minute goes out to Clay. Um, shout out to him. Shout out to um, the Uprising Network, where you can find his podcast, The Big Play Clay Show. They're doing a live show um, in a couple of weeks, and I will be there. So I feel like you should get your ticket, and let's just have a good time. Alrighty then. So, as we told you before, this 
season is not going to follow the same format of our previous seasons. It's going to be more of a chance for our audience to get to know us a little bit more and just kind of go with the flow um, and do things a little bit differently. So Shariah and I are going to be talking about things that are going on, of course, locally that impact us as business owners, as millennials and entrepreneurs nationally, just the chaotic show of mm-hmm. <laughs> the United mm-hmm. States of America because what is going on? Who really knows? That part. And as Detroiters, like, because yes. today we got some stuff we got to dig into. Um, Both positive and negative. <laughs> Shirai, do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? Let me go ahead and go first because I need to get this off my chest. Please. The floor I- is yours. <laughs> I actually have two things because one thing I thought about earlier today and the other thing I've been thinking about for a few days now. So first we're going to get on chief Craig real quick. I don't know if past chief Craig, whatever you want to call him. Okay. The uncle ruckus of Detroit is what I'm going to call him. So allegedly this gentleman (laughs) has been a police officer, a police chief at that. Uh, for however many years and it's coming out in the public now which from my understanding is something that has been known in the police world but not necessarily publicly um, that he is not like a licensed police officer in Detroit which uh, I really don't understand because I've applied for many jobs and have been denied (laughs) Because of not having particular licenses or experience. And if he can be out here being the chief of Detroit, at this point, I'm about to apply for CEO jobs. You know, this is very on brand for DPD, the city of Detroit. Um, You know, I'm just, I don't understand. I I just don't understand. (laughs) It just, it literally makes no sense. And for it to be such an important job or like, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like so high up in the hierarchy of, of Detroit, it should be somebody that's qualified, somebody that knows what they're doing. And furthermore, somebody that the people respect. I just, you know, if this was known in the police world, which is being alleged, why was it not addressed? <laughs> like, as soon as somebody found out, y'all, they didn't think to be like, you know what? Yeah, you know, let's go ahead and take care of this. Because that would be smart. <laughs> like, I'm just, uh, Yeah, uh. That, would, that would be smart. And um, a lot of them are not. So, yeah, uh, don't y'all get out there and vote for this man. While we're also on the topic of DPD, I did see another article come out about um, two DPD officers who have been charged with bribery um, and one of the officers is supposed to be like in charge of the integrity unit or like (laughs) Mm. interesting (laughs) and it's just like you literally cannot make this stuff up like this would be a power episode if there ever was one no, I not just, nope. It would not be a power episode. It would be a scandal episode, and Olivia Pope would fix all of this. Would she? <laughs> I feel like this is beyond fixable. I feel like if she rigged an election, a presidential election, she could fix this. 
just, just, I don't know, uh, Jesus, I don't even know what to say. Girl, Olivia Pope, if you out there, the real Olivia Pope, help. I don't know what her name is. Help. Okay. <laughs> help. Send help. S-O-S. Girl, where's the smoke signals? Something. Because this is Look. ridiculous. So a message in a bottle. That's one thing about Detroit. And and let's keep in mind also that this man is running for governor of Michigan. Girl, let's not even uh so I'm I'm, I'm not gonna I'm tell y'all who to vote for. But keep in mind that this man is running for governor of Michigan. I'm at the point I really was hoping that if we just didn't acknowledge it, he would go away. But clearly <laughs> Girl, when they started booing him <laughs> Bill <laughs> I was like, mood, okay? Mood. But yeah, just just keep that in mind. And now, this second topic that I want to get into. So, Target is coming to Detroit. Mm -hmm. And as if the bike lanes weren't enough of a signal of gentrification, Mm -hmm. you're going to bring Target. Target. Now, I love Target. Shop there quite often. Um, the only way that I see this even being remotely beneficial for the city of Detroit is because of the the grocery side that they offer. And we all know that Detroit um, is considered a food desert because of the lack of grocery stores. Well, and what's interesting is when when you talk about Detroit being a food desert, I don't think people realize that there's a nuance to that. Because there are there are grocery stores in Detroit. We have the Spartan food chains, but they're not considered big box grocery stores. Yep. So that's when people say there are no grocery stores in Detroit. There are, but they're not considered like mainstays or staples. Mm-hmm. Um, and speaking of Target, I was reading an article about that Target, and I don't even want to talk about the headline because... But horny for Target, just it's very strange. But um, I saw that so there was either like the byline or somewhere in the article that said Detroit is getting its first Target. And I'm like, mm, I don't think that's true. If I'm not mistaken, there used to be a Target way, way back in the day on 8 Mile and Van Dyke in this shopping center where Bel Air uh, before when Bel Air was still popping. Mm-hmm. Um so this is not Detroit's first star- target. It'll be the first one in a long time because I I believe they left, of course. <laughs> and like everyone else did. But it's just really interesting. They're putting it near that whole in that area with Whole Foods. Um if you drive in that area, if you've been in that area, you know that traffic is already annoying mm-hmm. enough. Very. Um what's also interesting is that this area used to be or is still considered i don't know if the uh nso is still over there but it used to be a large homeless area you know cast corridor all of that so so to answer your question i do not think that nso is still there we used to um go there for donations I, i believe it's closed okay um so it's very interesting to see the placement of these chains and these stores and what audience they're they're catering to. Very interesting. 
but this um this is giving me gentrification vibes. I mean, are you surprised? I think I'm not surprised at all. And now downtown about to be smelling like pumpkin spice all the time. Okay. <laughs> um, I think that the when they originally announced thinking or were thinking about putting a target in that area, it was supposed to go on the old Red Cross site, um, which is still on Woodward, but it's a little further down. Mm. Um, so this new site that they've proposed is interesting, but. Yeah, um, still not really solving the problem of what Detroiters are vocalizing, you know, mm-hmm. issues such as public transportation. Um, oh, they thought they fixed that with the queue line. Girl, um, you know, things that are actually important, uh, jobs that are sustainable, um, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, what do we know? <laughs> what, what do we know? Exactly. I would. I would just hope like, and this is just me being optimistic that Target would partner with some local brands or maybe local influencers or something to kind of generate the money that they have within Detroit. Hmm. Um, I know that the Meyer that they just put on Jefferson has had some local brands put their products in the Meyer. Um so, you know, it is it's potentially could happen. You never know. Fingers crossed. But that's all I had. Now that I got that off my chest, you know, mm-hmm. that really needed to be done. And I am very proud of myself for getting through it without being as rude as I normally am. Because <laughs> I'm still hearing from people about me calling that man Fat Joseph. And I will continue hey. to call him Fat Joseph. You know, Okay. so moving on um there are a few things i want to talk about both positive and negative when it comes to the city of detroit the first thing is that we are in election season this is a very important time Mm -hmm. for detroiters to pay attention because we have our mayoral election um and we also have important seats like the uh clerk i believe janice that's what she is yeah city clerk Janice Winfrey. Uh, and if you have been a voting age for a good 10 years or so, you know very well the problems that Detroit is constantly plagued with when we are talking about polling places, um, n- number of ballots, ballots being counted. These are all direct reflections of our city clerk. So just on top of that, we have proposals about reparations and, you know, really important things on the ballot this year. So please, I do not want to see the debacle that we had with the last proposals where um, certain people, I'm not going to name who, but there were billboards up around the city about how bad and how negative this proposal was, which was in complete contradiction of what it actually was trying to do. But of course it was not supported by city government. And so they put up these billboards as scare tactics. And we as younger voters may be more inclined to do research. Whereas older voters, you know, y'all memos, y'all aunties, unks, all of that. 
Detroit has been notorious in voting off of name recognition or uh-huh. just because they see if they see something consistently that tells them no, they're going to go with no. They're not going to do their research and actually understand the position. So do your research, talk to your people, get your people out to the polls, do whatever you need to do. The absentee ballot process, just get it done, Lord. Please get it done. <laughs> and please, like, when you're going out to the polls and, and doing your voting, make sure you know your rights. Don't let people turn you away for stuff stuff that they can't turn you away for. Also, like, uh-huh. yeah, <laughs> can't have that. Can't have that at all. So do your research, be prepared, take your documents, because you would think that this is, you know, that Martin Luther King's still marching around the way people the way. try to act with these voting rights. Child, listen, uh, the other thing I want to talk about that's specific, or specifically Detroit Focus, which it's a positive thing. Um, so the other day I was scrolling my, uh, timeline on Twitter and I saw Lowe connect with Lowe post that she was on VH1 and somebody else posted another video of a clip with Sheepy McFly talking about growing up in Detroit. And so I actually clicked on the link and VH1 just dropped their episode of growing up black, which is focused on Detroit, Michigan. And so they have a lot of different young and older influential Detroiters talking about their experiences growing up in Detroit, what side they from, shout out to the East side. Um, And it was just a very refreshing take to see companies like VH1 give this spotlight to Detroit because we often know as Detroiters, Detroit gets neglected so much. Uh We have to do everything for ourselves. Payroll talked about it in the episode, how, you know, we got to get it out the mud because nobody has given us anything. We're often looked at as the redheaded stepchild, especially with Detroit having so many scandals going through bankruptcy, our education system, our politics. All of these things have, you know, pushed Detroit into the shadows when we have so much greatness and so much richness and so much blackness to showcase and highlight so definitely go check that out it's called growing up black and the episode is focused on detroit michigan it's a really good refresher eye-opener um and opportunity to learn about detroit learn about why detroiters are so passionate about this place and what it means um because people are just now starting to pay attention to detroit hopefully not to take advantage of it but to help it blossom and grow um, with with the blackness as a part of it, not pushing out the blackness so that it can be whitewashed and gentrified. Agreed. I think Detroit is getting a lot of attention from all different areas at this point. I feel like in the past it might have been like, okay, well, we get recognition or get noticed because of negative political things that are happening or we get noticed because of sports or whatever, but now I feel like it's multi-directional I guess yeah I mean you know I remember growing up and I never really for me like with family who's in the south or out of town um, or when I would go like when I would go out of the country as a kid and tell people I'm from Detroit I never really understood the aversion like for me 
it was my home. I was always proud of being a Detroiter. But I will never forget when I was in Germany, these kids asked me, did I know Eminem? Was 8 Mile really like that? Um, do people walk around with guns on their arm? Mm-hmm. Like all this type of crazy stuff. And, you know, for the longest time, Detroit was known as the murder capital of the country. And I'm not, it's not to say that we don't have our problems because of course, you know, we are plagued with the, all of the things you can think of that affect a metropolitan city today. However, these problems are not a fault of the people. It is a fault of the systemic issues that have plagued us for a century or centuries. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when we talk about education, when we talk about finances, we talk about access, resources, all of these things. So you ain't going to never hear me talk bad about Detroit in a sense that I hate this place and I'm never going. Uh, I don't understand why people love it so much. Blah, blah, blah. You'll never hear me say that. You may hear me criticize our politics, our government, and blah, 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 blah. But mm-hmm. I'm always right for my city, period. And I think that's like something that a lot of places don't understand. Like Detroiters are very serious about Detroit. Like, we see it happen on the timeline often. Let a random say something negative about Detroit. They are getting roasted until the point of private pages and, <laughs> and maybe even deleting their pages. Like, Detroit don't play about Detroit. And, you know, like, it ain't like we are we have blinders on. Like I said, we know about what goes on in our city. We We are well aware that we have sports teams that are not the greatest teams in the world. But guess what? We don't care. <laughs> okay. Because it ain't your team to talk about. We can talk about them. Y'all can't. Period. Okay. Because people always want to steal stuff from Detroit. Like, I, I promise you, every time I see a anything versus everybody. Oh, my God. It infuriates me. Like, I want to set fire. It's tacky. To it. It's it's awful. And I hope that he sued every last one of y'all. Well, I think that he Tommy Walker is now starting to branch out to make partnerships with other cities but we want y'all to know we did it first which is honestly a lot of the things that <laughs> pop culture has are okay. influenced by Detroit and people like to say that's not true check your facts okay, okay. It's, it's in the history books I don't care read it and weep half of them don't even know how to read alright Sheree what happened to being nice this episode I tried <laughs> Did you though? I made it how long? I made it about 20 minutes. Girl, who chile? That's a start. Um, okay, so what else are we talking about? I think we we focused in on Detroit enough and people kind of understand our <laughs> our viewpoint on the city. But I feel like that's one thing I can say. Like when I do get feedback about the podcast, people that People enjoy us talking about Detroit. Like, um, I forget who it was, but it's somebody that's uh, from, I think, Baltimore. He was saying, like, how, you know, listening to us made him really feel like he knew what was going on in Detroit. And, like, it didn't feel like something that was boring or unrelatable to other cities and other uh, particularly black communities. I mean, like, anytime I'm talking to my out-of-town friends who have never been here, you know, there's all we always had that conversation because their perception of Detroit has always been what they've been fed via like the national news, which mm-hmm. is more than likely negative. Like there have rarely been positive stories about Detroit. 
So I always make it a point to tell them the good so that they can form their own informed opinion, mm-hmm. not just based on the BS. Absolutely. Oh, Lord. So, yeah, that was our Detroit segment. That was fun. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening to our uh, our Detroit stuff. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what else they thought they was going to get. <laughs> Seriously, because, like, even though I was gone from Detroit for a, a long, periodically time. A what? A long, periodically time. You got to watch the video if you haven't seen it. Shout out to you if you know that reference. But I still never, like, I still took every opportunity I could to talk about Detroit. Like, people would be like, oh, you from Omaha, and I would be ready to fight. No, I am not. (laughs) (laughs) I absolutely am not. I'm from Detroit. Oh, my goodness. Girl. Um, Okay. So, I, um, I I have a question for you, Soraya. Mm. I might have an answer. Um, now, we I don't want to say we're post-pandemic because we are very much Mm-mm. still in the pandemic. Mm-hmm. But have you noticed um, anything different with social media and how people interact before we were officially in the pandemic to now? Um, not really because people are still stupid. But um, <laughs> I would maybe say like they interact a little bit more because a lot of people were doing like live videos or, you know, virtual parties or whatever. So I feel like there might be a little bit more interaction there and maybe a little bit more depth to some social media relationships. But now I just feel like we're all kind of on autopilot. So, okay. We just posted and we're all just trying to make it through whatever this world is. So the reason I bring this up and I've, I've been seeing these images way before the pandemic, but I saw one recently that really made me think about this. So, and this kind of ties into a few things. So, you know, as kids, um, you know, parent, our parents always told us, don't talk to strangers, don't get in the car with strangers. And then as we started to become more of like a internet and media focused generation, parents would always be like, don't believe everything that you read on the internet, blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah. Um, I think the pandemic kind of shifted that reliance or shifted that perspective. So, you know, during the pandemic, everyone was forced to stay at home. Everyone became attached to a screen because that is how we lived everyday life. That is how we, our kids went to school. That is how a lot of us worked. And I saw an article recently from, or about Facebook that said that um, the Facebook leadership or Facebook execs are worried because they're losing their target demographic, meaning teenagers or the younger audience. And I think that's a really interesting perspective because I think that the older generation has, we've seen it. The older generation has become so reliant on social media sites like Facebook. Um, And that's the misinformation on there. We see articles come out about it every single day Uh about, um, you know, the misinformation being spread and just the conspiracy theories 
running rampant. Uh, but I don't think we really put into account how much our lives shifted due to the pandemic. And so when we talk about people being reliant on their screens, um, you know, folks will say people don't talk face to face anymore. People don't read the newspaper or, um, you know, people don't communicate because they're always on their phones. And I'm like, well, you have to realize that that was people's way of life for a year, year and a half still. Uh -huh. um, so you can't fault people for being attached to their phones. But how do we create um, a society which is. Honestly, I don't even think it's able to be done. But how do we create a society that does not easily fall or is not easily susceptible to false or misinformation? Um, I really don't think it's possible. And the only reason I say that is because at the end of the day, people are going to believe what they want to believe. Um, people are not going to want to go the extra step to do their own quote unquote research. Um, I mean, we, we see that now, like perfect example at the beginning of the pandemic, people was boiling orange, orange peels and onions <laughs> and sniffing it. But then being like, Oh, vaccine. Absolutely not. won't work or won't wear a mask or won't wear a mask. And my thing is, you know, do what you feel is best for you. But at the same time, you have to understand that people are going to judge you for your decision, whether, and that's just in life in general, but I don't think that people are ever going to want to go that extra step to do their own research. They're going to go with what they feel is right. Even when it makes absolutely no sense. But you know what? I don't think that's necessarily a people issue. I think it's an American issue because when we look at other countries, they have had like, and this is from, of course, a skewed perspective of not physically being there. But if we look at other countries and their response to the pandemic um, or, you know, just how they handle any type of mass hysteria, okay. it is very different than how the U.S. tracks. And I'm not talking about countries that are like under tyranny or countries that have like um, very strict leaders. Like, just just talking about masks, like, to see people argue that wearing a mask is going against God putting oxygen <laughs> in our, like, in our world. Like, what? What? Um, yeah, makes sense. And then there was, so, you know, the other thing that's been polarizing our country is uh, supposed outcry to critical race theory being taught in public schools right oh my gosh and so i was watching this Please video started girl i was watching this video of this um republican activist who's also a parent uh, she was being interviewed by one of the larger um news outlets i think it was like abc or something like that and the you could just tell by the the interviewer's face that she was just like really baffled that this woman is believing what she's saying because she was like you know it is divisive and racist and it's teaching our children to hate their whiteness and she was like okay what about the and the, the lady said i don't see color i just i judge a person by their character 
And so the interviewer asks her, okay, well, what about young black men um, and how they're perceived uh-huh. in society? They, they can't go by, I don't see color. And this woman said, well, if they were respectful uh-uh. and if they, you know, if they dressed appropriately and they had good character, then they, you know, they wouldn't be judged. And I, I never wanted to reach through my phone more in my life and strangle the dog shit out of this lady. <laughs> people are so ignorant. And I think that, so one of my favorite people on social media um, to look at for videos on these kind of topics is Conscious Lee. So if y'all aren't following him, check out his stuff. He does a great job of explaining um, these things because for somebody like me that doesn't necessarily, I don't necessarily enjoy reading about politics or certain things. So he makes it easier for somebody like me to kind of like spark that, that interest to look into it. So when I first heard him talking about critical race theory, I'm not going to lie to you. I had no idea what it was. So I was like, okay, well, let me go look it up. So then I'm looking it up and I'm reading about it and I'm reading like different like um, articles that are like peer reviewed articles and stuff. And I'm like, I don't understand why you would not want to teach this to your kids. The, but you know what, Shariah, not even, not even there. Critical race theory is not even taught to K through 12 students. Mm-hmm. It is barely taught in college. In college exactly. Like I said, I didn't know what it was. And at this point, I'd have been through every level of college that there is. And all of this started from a Republican conspiracy theorist. The crazy part about it is, so it makes me think of a situation that I personally dealt with. When I was in, I believe it was first grade, um, I went to a Catholic school um, in Redford. And while I was there, you know, I'm the new, new girl there. And so, and I'm not Catholic, so I already stand out because of those two things. And then lo and behold, I'm black. So this little white girl comes up to me and she's like, are you a slave? And I was like, I'm in first grade. I didn't necessarily know what a slave was. I was like, no, I'm Shariah. And like, (laughs) we just kind of moved on with life at that point. Um, but then I returned to that same school in fourth grade and um, this young lady and I, we danced together um, all the way up through like seventh grade. And um, we started learning about slavery and we started learning about, you know, all, all of the things that come with learning about slavery, Black History Month, all of that. And uh, she came up to me after school. We were at dance class and she's like boohoo crying. And apologizing to me because she felt so bad for what she had asked me in first grade. And I'm like, okay. I mean, like at that point, I mean, I was still a kid, so I really didn't, you know, harbor any hard feelings towards her. And even now I don't harbor any hard feelings towards her. If anything, I love her. But I feel like when you teach critical race theory, it makes your children recognize what they were taught is wrong. That's, but that's not even critical race theory. That's just history. <laughs> it, <laughs> like, is. it is. Absolutely. I agree there. But I also, I feel like that people are trying to make critical race theory seem like it's there to it's, make white yeah. people feel bad. And it's not. It's there, it's there to hold white people accountable. Yeah, because uh, Newsflash, y'all were pretty, well, and are, pretty crappy. So, <laughs> okay. And crappy is putting it nice. Um, but, yeah, like, this whole notion... 
when I watched that video clip of the lady and the interview, it it made my blood boil so much because it made me think about this false sense of respectability politics and how we have on top of all of the other things that black people have had to deal with since we were forcibly brought over to this country emphasis on forcibly we also have this sense of respectability politics that is not only pushed on us from outsiders but it's also perpetuated within our own communities I cannot count how many times I've heard older people in my generation or older people in my family talk about how people would be treated better if they pulled their boys would be treated better if they pulled their pants up or, um, you know, girls would be treated better if they dress appropriately, you know, wear your skirt to your knees and blah, blah, blah. Just all of this other type of BS behind respectability politics. I would like to know who, who decided what was acceptable. And it's so stupid to me because when you point out to them that even going back to the generation when they were in their teens and when they were younger and dealing with civil rights, people were being hosed down in suits. Y'all, like MLK was walking around in a suit and got dogs sicked on him. So mm-hmm. why, where did this idea of respectability politics come from? And why do y'all think it works? Like, <laughs> The crazy part is like how deep rooted respectability politics is. Like it is so deep rooted. I started like reading about that last year. It actually became like one of the topics. I, I read a lot about it. Actually, no, that was twenty nineteen, and it just like made me start to think about some of the things that I was taught as a child that mm-hmm. essentially go back to respectability politics. And so now I have this like thing where every time I see something or experience something that goes back to respectability politics i get pissed because it's like think about the amount of people that we're overlooking or mistreating because somebody somewhere said that something wasn't appropriate and we all know all of this stuff goes right back to racism everything is racist man think about all of the think about people who have lost their lives people who have been hurt abused and their perpetrators have gotten away with it because of the justification of respectability politics. And we literally see it everywhere. Like it could be one of the main places that respectability politics exists and thrives is the church. Oh girl, (laughs) let's not even even, go there. Not even, even church stuff. Like little stuff that we don't recognize. Like uh, that restaurant, a couple Oh, the turkey, yes, uh, turkey leg hut or turkey yeah, hut. Yeah, where the, the women were twerking and he was like, if you have respect for yourself and blah, 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 and there's men in here and don't do that, shut up. Well, we see it on social media where people like uh, Kevin Samuels. Please, for the love of God, if you want me to be nice on this episode, never, or on this podcast ever, please don't ever say that man's name because I cannot also, y'all know my arch nemesis, Steve Harvey. <laughs> like, Steve, why you can't just get somewhere and, and host Family Feud and be funny? Just, just shuck, high yuck, over on the <laughs> like, Family Feud stage and leave us alone, Jesus. Worry about that extremely thick beard on your upper lip. Sorry. It's all the hair that he couldn't grow on his head. They just glued it. They glued it onto his face. Girl. <laughs> Oh, he, he stresses me like, and I'm all for if you want to do something because you want to do it. 
but I am not really for ladies wanting to do stuff because a man said it. I mean, and it's not just men that perpetuate this stereotype. Oh, not even, at all. even, you know, Monique had that whole phase where she was upset because some girl had on a bonnet at the airport. Get First over of it. all, I will wear my bonnet where I get it well, please, Monique. Like, how is it bothering you? got plenty of other things to worry about, Miss Mamas. Worry about me still being mad at you for how you did Precious. Miss Mamas, let's talk. Because, girl, um, beat it. Ooh, Chile. But, yeah, it's just American society is it's trash. Yes, it is trash. Um, it is rooted in whiteness. <laughs> <laughs> Deeply uh, rooted in whiteness. And then know, the white people don't want to realize that it's rooted in whiteness. They, no, they realize it. They just don't want to change it because that would mean that they would have to acknowledge it. And because um, it's beneficial to them. Yes, absolutely. Like, y'all are all stupid. And I wish I could just fight all y'all one by one. <laughs> like, never mind. I ain't even gonna go there. Like, <laughs> ding, 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 ding. Because, like, it's just be little, little things. And then, like, yeah. I was talking to my sister about this earlier today. Um, I was reading, and I cannot remember this lady's name, Miss Ma'am. I am so sorry, and I really should know <laughs> sorry your name. To that, sorry to that woman. I, but I really cannot think of it, and I really, really, really wholeheartedly apologize to your great-grandkids that's probably listening to this. Um, but the, the the woman who sat on the bus before Rosa Parks? Oh, uh, Claudette. Claudette, there we go. Yes, Miss Claudette. Still has a felony on her record. Child. From that situation. And I was talking to my little sister about this earlier. About how, you know, my sister was like, wow, that's crazy. Like, I didn't know she was still alive. So I'm telling her, like, this is what people want, specifically white people, want you to believe. That the civil rights movement was that long ago. I mean, we see it every year when Ruby Bridges' birthday come up. You know, people are like, this is not so far removed from us. And, you know, when they try to feed us the civil rights photos in black and white and trying to make it seem like it was that long ago, it wasn't. It wasn't. Because there's color photos of Martin Luther King, of Rosa Parks. And it's crazy how those same things that they were fighting are still impacting us. Even more so because white people just found a way to hide it better, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. I saw a video clip from a woman on TikTok who was saying that she was in college. She was poor. And so she used to pay for everything with a check. And she bought her groceries with a check that bounced. She was, I think she was on her way to like her last class or on her way to a final or something like that. And she got arrested. Uh, She, um, she didn't pass. And it just created so many obstacles for her because just because of this bad check. Think about how many, I'm sure, like I am a true crime fanatic. So I can tell you about so many cases of um, white people getting away with bad behavior just off the strength uh-huh. that they were white. And this lady got thrown in jail for writing a bad check over some groceries. The check was like $23. That's sickening. You know, so it's just, ooh, Chile. I can go on and on about this, but I don't want to because I'm hot and I'm thirsty and I'm tired. <laughs> Girl, same. But I do think that this opens up the door for 
other conversations for you and I that we can like, because, <laughs> because although we like to do a lot of ratchet stuff, we are very smart. Um, and I think it's an opportunity for us to use our platforms and use our, our brains, um, to do like different series or discussions about, you know, respectability, politics, critical race theory, how everything is racist, um, (laughs) diversity, equity, and inclusion. Like there's just so much stuff that our generation has the power to, to make some noise about. Get these boomers out of here. Listen, boomers gotta go. No, give me, we said we weren't going to do this, Jermaine. We said we were not going to bash boomers. That's real hard, y'all. Because we have dragged boomers from season one by the bit of hair that they have left. Okay. Them wafts. <laughs> we have dragged them by the hair cars. plugs. Them hair plugs, baby. We've dragged y'all for many of seasons. So we've, we're trying not to do that. But I do want to make sure that if the younger generation is not educated on certain things, it won't be because we didn't open our mouths. So I agree. We about to learn y'all something. We gonna make it fun, and we we gonna make it good. And y'all better subscribe. Speaking of which, before we close out this episode, we have a couple of things that we must address. <sighs> newbies, we have decided to call y'all newbies, and by we I mean I have decided yeah. to call our subscribers <laughs> newbies, and I think it's cute and it's great. So newbies, please make sure that you are subscribing to our Patreon. Please, yes, we are getting ready to drop some Patreon content. It is exclusive content. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have three tiers. Go ahead and check us out um, on Patreon. It's patreon.com slash the new kids. Um, yeah, go ahead and do that because you love us and you want to see all of the great things that we're going to give to you that are exclusive only to Patreon subscribers because, duh. Yeah, <laughs> like... <laughs> if this is what we give y'all for free, imagine what y'all get when y'all compensate us. That's all I'm going to say. Girl. And like we mentioned earlier in the episode, we are doing a Friendsgiving giveaway. So yes. make sure you subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Instagram. And once this episode goes up, comment on this episode's post. Tell us what you think. And that will enter you into the giveaway for our Friendsgiving thingies. <laughs> and we are going to give y'all one last opportunity to read with us. Um, y'all have uh, kind of missed the window for purchasing the book, but you're more than welcome to purchase the book on your own. So if you want to read with us, just send us an email to the new kids, LLC at gmail.com. Let us know you want to read with us and we will get you the content that you need to yes. read with us. Visit our website, thenewkidsdetroit.com. Follow us on Instagram at the New Kids LLC. Um, and stay tuned because we coming back <laughs> and consistently this time. We promise. <laughs> also, should I tell them, Jermaine, the answer to what I was eating on the last podcast episode? Go ahead. <laughs> so my my friends in real life have been attacking me about knowing what I ate. And at this point, this company should just sponsor me. Hey. Because I was definitely eating a burrito from Qdoba. So those of you who know me. <laughs> and we will officially announce the winner once this episode goes up. Yes. So, yeah. Let's work. Um, 
contact us, subscribe to us. Oh, make sure you subscribe to our YouTube. Yes, the New Kids University. Yes, because we we drop a knowledge there as well. Y'all are not going to get rid of us. We have so many avenues to annoy y'all that it's great. Um. Okay, I don't think we have anything else. Do you? I think that's it. Thanks for listening, y'all. All right, New Kids out. Bye, guys. Peace. Remember to like, share, subscribe, and always listen on Stitcher, Google Play, Apple Store, and Spotify. You're listening to the Detroit is Different Podcast Network.